This is a Sunday session panel time and joining me now I have got Business Desk Investments Editor and host of Cooking the Books, Francis Cook. How are you Francis? Not too bad. Excellent. Also joining us we have got producer and commentator Irene Gardner. How are you Irene? I'm very well thank you. Excellent. Irene, masks, are you still wearing one? Yes, I wear one where my common sense dictates, which is planes, trains, aeroplanes, supermarkets, and anywhere else where there's a lot of people around me. So where are you supposed to? Yeah, but I would do that, you know, even if they do change the regulations, I think that's what I would continue doing for me, just that's what I think is sort of sensible. And look, Francis, I think it is time to be reducing the mask mandate. But I have, I think that it's great that Irene knows when she wants to wear it, when she's comfortable wearing it, and we should just be sort of left to do that. If you want to wear one in certain situations, do so. Uh, if you don't, don't. Obviously, in health situations around vulnerable people, aged care facilities, you'd, you'd want to have some mandates in place. Um, yeah. Is it sort of as simple as that as we move forward? I do feel like it's good to remember that just because you're no longer being forced to wear a mask, you know, you obviously still can wear one if that makes you more comfortable. And I'm very similar to Irene. I will still be wearing one in supermarkets. Um, I have to take a couple of flights in the next few weeks. I will definitely be wearing one on a plane because planes are gross. (laughs) Um, But I do, I think the only concern I have, I think this is basically just formalizing what was already happening. Mask use was starting to drop off and how are you going to enforce it really? Nobody's going to arrest someone for not wearing a mask. So I think this was just mostly formalizing what was already happening. But what I worry about is, you know, If you have anyone who's immunocompromised or even may just feel vulnerable, I'm not immunocompromised, but I don't want to be in a supermarket without a mask. And I do worry that people in some of those jobs like supermarkets where you don't always feel the most comfortable speaking up, that they might feel a little bit of pressure not to wear a mask at work, even if they want to. So I do hope that bosses are having those conversations with their workers, that it is not only okay but totally encouraged that if you want to wear a mask Mm. you can and that there should be no sort of social pressure because there is a little bit of social pressure sometimes to just pretend that everything's fine. Yeah no I don't think there should be any judgment or or comment made. I mean we have we work in a a building a very large building filled with people we've had a lot of people who've worn masks uh, consistently for, for months and months and will continue to do so and no one bats a bats an eye about you know about it Irene. You know, which is, as, which is as it should be. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I, I absolutely agree with everything Francis just said. And and while I can see that the regulations, you know, there's a behavioural aspect to whether it's even worth keeping regulations, but I do really feel for people whose health puts them in a situation where the fact that less people around them are wearing masks actually starts to affect what they can and can't do. And mm. that's the unfair bit of it, unfortunately. If you go to a restaurant right now, you'll find the majority of people sitting in the restaurant eating and drinking. No one's wearing a mask. You've got the the, the, the staff wearing a mask, though, and it just sort of seems a little bit contradictory. Uh, you know, and I think that if you were the kind of person who didn't want to be in a busy restaurant, Irene, then you probably wouldn't, you'd probably choose not to be there anyway. Yeah, I think restaurants is a really tricky one, and mm. I, I pick and choose a bit. You know, it's kind of to do with spacing for me. And I actually would tend, even though obviously you eat and drink without your mask, I would tend to put it on to go up to the counter to pay because I feel like that's 
partly a protection for me, but more than that, it's a courtesy yes. to the staff member who's in that close contact role. But yeah, definitely restaurants is a sort of a slightly weird one because it's very difficult to eat and drink wearing a mask. Uh, because occasionally I've forgotten I'm wearing one and tried to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work well. doesn't work well. Um, both myself and my producer have had incidences. My producer was in a very large shop yesterday and there was she just suddenly realised no one was wearing a mask. And, uh, you know, Irene, as you know, I, I popped to film screenings quite a bit and I went to a very large screening. It was it was uh, before I got COVID in July and I turned up to a, a, a cinema here in Auckland and there would have been hundreds of people. Not one was wearing a mask and it was almost like mm. I felt like I'd... I hadn't gone the memo that everyone else had suddenly gone. Oh no, it's all fine. And but no one had let me know. I was sort of quite taken yeah. back by it. Can I just say at this point that I haven't had COVID? Oh. And I use my mask. Are you just feeling superhuman? Yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I felt a little bit. I felt a little bit smug about my my lack of COVID before it hit you in July. You know, tomorrow but, now. Don't yeah, you? I know you probably will. <laughs> I am touching wood. <laughs> Look, we've uh, yeah. we've had we've had it, you know, heading, going through the newsroom here. I mean, there was a sort of there was a couple of weeks where I don't think there was one producer who was actually working on the show they were employed to work on. Everybody was just pitching mm. in and helping out all over the place. And we've had uh, we've only got a there's only a few people here at New Stock ZB who haven't had it. One person wears, you know, a couple of them wear a mask all the time, and one person doesn't, and seems to have been sitting next to everybody who got COVID at some point. So you just you just don't know, do you? you Random. Going. Yeah. Now look, uh, Fletcher Building is introducing gender-neutral parental leave policy, which it seems to make a lot of sense to me, Francis. It's saying it's giving modern families the flexibility to choose which parent will be the primary and secondary carer based on their circumstances. Yeah, I've got to say, as someone who's um, just had a kid, so my baby is now a year and one month, um, so we've just navigated all of this. And um, we did it where I took the first seven months off and then he did the rest of it up to the year. And as someone who's gone through that, can I just say that it was transformative for my husband and the baby's relationship. He was always a hands-on dad, but um, them getting that quality time together of just hanging out together every day and just really proper quality time, it made their relationship so much deeper. It made him, he was already a really confident, great dad, but just that muscle memory would kick in and he knew exactly what to do and when. Um, And I just thought he was so lucky to be able to do that and everyone in our family benefited from it. So for Fletcher's to bring in something like this and, I mean, the the policy in general is is quite generous and really it's helping people out on um, the amount that they pay as well. It's a bit more than just the average. So full cutest to Fletcher's for doing that because that creates a really strong family group and when people are doing well at home they do better at work. I I bet that this actually helps Fletcher's bottom line as well as anything else. Irene, so the primary carers will receive 100% of their normal pay for 26 weeks and can opt to 50% for a year of paternal leave. So that's just a little bit more detail that Francis was talking about there. I think this is is a... uh, Absolutely, the way to go if you decide, you, you know that um, yeah. that maybe the primary carer is is going to be the dad. Absolutely. I mean, I've only ever been a parent to a cat, so I can't contribute from personal experience. They don't take a lot of you know bother, but um, it just seems common sense, doesn't it? I mean, in this yeah. day and age, you know, yeah. 
if, 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 a, if a couple are in a situation where one can do it for a while and the other can and the other can and, you know, they're going to work it out over the year or two years or whatever, then, yeah, the rules should be exactly the same for both. It just seems like it should be that way. I mean, good on fetches, but it should be that way everywhere. Uh, it just makes sense. Irene Gardner, Francis Cook, thanks so much for joining us this morning on the panel. Very much appreciate it. One of the scariest things you can hear as a parent is quiet. But if you do get a little quiet time, have a listen to The Parenting Hangover. It's not scary at all. If I bump into a couple and they have a boy and they have a girl, and I'm like, oh, boy, girl, snip. You've got a boy, you've got a girl, get the snip. You're done. You get to figure out what it's like raising a girl, you get to figure out what it's like raising a boy. Save yourself a shit ton of stress and money. You've got your perfect little family. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.